0: Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan, additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tekovas is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots and I'm them with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, to Kovus. And they have a seasonal, limited-edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to dacovus.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, 281 is over, and my goodness, did it ever deliver. It was right up there with the best card of the year. And coming up on today's show, I'm going to tell you how I feel about Adesanya versus Piera. Now that it's over and I've had a few days to think about it, I also want to tell you about a story on Rumble Johnson, who we lost over the weekend and far too soon. Guys, all of that's coming up later in the show. But let's get back to my Saturday night and my immediate thoughts following UFC 281. Adesanya versus Piera, guys. We were close, weren't we? We were close because we called this. We said we're gonna see two kickboxers go out there and kickbox with little gloves for a unified championship. We talked about the rounds. We talked. We were close, and you know what? This fight was so near perfect. It truly was. I want to start you at the very beginning, okay? Because we're documenting this, right? I put this online. We don't don't ever take this down. Somebody comes along 10 years from now, we want them to have a good understanding of what happened. But let's back up. Because Adesanya's walkout for me was important. So was Piera's, right? They they say um, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, we're judging those guys in those moments. We're judging these guys at every moment. I've seen press conference where one guy loses his temper and, and blows up. And the fans go on to the internet and they talk about, oh, he lost it. He's emotional about this. I've seen lines move because of that. We've seen weigh-ins and face off where one guy looks scared. We deem that. We then deem fear to be a bad thing, which I, I don't know as a fighter. I don't I don't know that fear has ever worked against me. I'm just sharing for you pictures worth a thousand words. How are these guys going to look? We know Adesanya's approach. We know he does not like to be Mr. Serious Business until the absolute last moment. That's his approach. Is he going to come out like The Undertaker? Is he going to dance to the ring? Is he going to do something along these lines? So that was very meaningful for me. And I'm watching Adesanya warm warm up when they throw the cam in the back. And guys will play around when they do that. I remember John Hackleman and Chuck Liddell had like a system. As coach and athlete, they had a system for when that camera, that little red light, goes on. Chuck would screw around. He didn't want the opponents watching. They didn't want to to see the actual combinations they were working on. Chuck used to do something called a double punch, where he would Hackelman would have a big pad and Chuck would throw both punches at it. They're just being silly, doing something for the camera, maintaining strategy, which they felt gave them a competitive advantage. Adesanya is doing video game style techniques when the camera comes on. He's hitting spinning elbows. He's spinning roundhouse kicks. He's coming out and kicking you right in the mouth. He wasn't playing around. Like, those are the moves he's going to use. He, he's actually showing us. I'm very dynamic. I'm warming up with dynamic techniques. I plan to use these techniques. Like, that was really interesting to me. Then Pierre goes into the ring. And Pierre, he got the stone face. I bought it. I bought it. I don't believe... That your mind can control your body. And I know people love to say that. I know when you meet with sports psychologists or some guy that knows sport, he'll tell you, it's the mind controlling the body. I don't believe that and I haven't seen that. But I do know that the body can control the mind. I do know if you don't believe it, you can act it at anything in life. Act strong, act brave, act tough, act fearless. It's actions that matter. It's not thoughts. I know that jerk that's trying to convince you that he's got the golden secret answer tells you its thoughts. There is no judge. There is no referee. There is no umpire. There is no sport in the world where you will gain a single point per the rule book because of anything you thought. It's actions that matter. I'm looking at Piera. He's acting brave. He is acting strong. He is not acting like a guy who's in his fourth fight who's a main event, who's at the Mecca, sold out on pay-per-view. None of the, he doesn't, he checked none of those boxes. He looked like a guy that was where he belonged. Okay, great, we got to fight. Now, a moment ago, I told you as this thing played out, it was damn near perfect. And you know what, guys, it was. We didn't predict they'd go to the round. Piera comes with a single, he switches off to a double. His technique was not perfect, but the boy, he ran his, his feet. It, you run your feet If you shoot to a guy, try not to bore you with the X's and O's. I'll do it one time here. If you shoot to a guy in MMA, you're not a good MMA wrestler. If you shoot through a guy, and the difference, if he's standing in this place and you shoot, now you have his legs. But he has not moved, you have not succeeded. In MMA, you must knock him backwards. In wrestling, you don't have to do that. Not in the NCAAs, not in the Olympic Games. You can go right to the opponent. In MMA, you must go through... The opponent is what Pierre did. I've never seen him do a takedown before. He breaks us out on Adesanya. I've seen Kelvin Gastelum have a hard time getting Adesanya down. I've seen Derek Brunson have a hard time getting him down. I've seen Vittoria. I've seen Joel Romero. Pierre had an element of surprise. I'll give you that. He had a decent technique, but boy, he wanted. He ran his feet. Well, you get to another round. All of a sudden, Adesanya returns the favor. I know that it's a scramble, but he adjusts his hips. He comes out on top. All of a sudden, he's wrist riding. All of a sudden, he's throwing what they call hooks. Hooks is a stupid term, right? It's, it's a leg. Just say he put a leg in. But in our business, we got a, he threw a hook in. Well, then all of a sudden he throws two hooks in, which again means he put in both legs. he didn't know what to do with that. From an exes, no, he didn't know, he didn't know to flatten him out. He didn't know to go underneath. He didn't know what to do. But as long as Pierre wants to regain the advantage, Pierre has still got to deal with it. And I'm watching Sonia eating seconds up off the clock. I'm watching him wrist ride. Though he wasn't masterful, he's still doing it, and Pierre has still got to deal with it. It doesn't matter if you're Olympic level or it's your first day. If you get to a position, the guy must clear the position. Now you're eating up seconds. Now Adesanya's on top. Now he's ground and pounding. Now he's making Pierre uh, carry his way. And I go, oh, my goodness, this is perfect. This is what we need to see. It wouldn't have been the same story had these two wonderful kickboxers who met up twice before gone out and did what we thought they were going to do, which was kickbox in small gloves for a unified championship. It would not have been perfect. We needed to see everything. We needed to know as an audience that there was no ego because that's an excuse. I could have taken him down. I could have done this, but I wanted to stand the line. It's a coward that shoots for all these stupid things that we hear, but that stuff works. It works with a certain realm of the audience. We didn't have any of that. We had a unified fight. We had a takedown by Pierre that was awesome. By the way, Adesanya, I can't tell you his takedown was awesome because it was off of a scramble, but I can tell you his ground control was. I can tell you what he was doing with the wrist, the way he put a leg in, then he put two legs, then he takes them out, then he's coming back. I mean, it really was very good. And I'm going, oh my God, this is what's making the fight better. I did not predict that ahead of time. It's what this fight needs to be a classic. We don't need them to go to the ground and stay there and not know what they're, we're doing. Uh, maybe a, a, a rough thing to say, but I'll compare Francis Gano and Surreal gone. It, it, pretty sloppy there, and that's not really where they wanted to be, but it's where they ended up. We saw just a little bit of it, but we saw the takedown. We saw the ground control. We saw an effort from the bottom. We saw coming to what's called turtle or, or referee's position, standing up to your feet, turning and facing. We got to see an all-around fight. I just thought it was great. We're going into the last round. Adesanya is up 4-0. So this is just fresh off the top of my head. I thought he was up 4-0. In the 20 minutes it'll take me to get it to you guys, we might have those official cards, but I know that I'm close. I believe Daniel Cormier, who was announcing it, said he was very comfortable in telling the audience that it was likely 3-1 to going into the final round. I thought it was 4-0. Point is the same, which is Adesanya doesn't have to beat this man, he just has to beat the clock. Okay, Pierre's coach tells him in between rounds, he says, you got five minutes to be champion of the world. He did not tell him how it was going. He did not give him false hope and tell you, hey, we're tied up. Need this round. 3-1, 2-2, you're ahead. He did nothing. So you got five minutes to be the world champion. I thought it was very good corner advice. I thought it was actually inspirational when I heard it. I don't like a guy that's negative. Some guys do. I don't like a guy that's overly positive when it's not true. So the coach is finding a positive way to say it and giving his, a- his athlete, his athlete who's tired, who's fatigued, as little information as he can and hoping that he can register it. the coach, simply said, you got five minutes to be a world champion. Okay. It is very rare, and I know you guys could cite a hundred examples for me. I'm talking in the grand scheme of the thousands of fights that there's been, there has been a very rare amount. And this includes boxing of fights that are stopped on their feet when the guy doesn't go down. To have a knockout, or more specifically, a TKO from strikes when the opponent is still standing, we can agree is not the norm. Was it an early stoppage? I can't say that. I can't say that at all. And in truth, we won't know. We never know when a stoppage is early. We only know when it's late. We know that we classify them early at times, but we don't know. We don't know until that guy took a couple of extra shots. But it's uncommon. A referee will tell a story. If a guy is getting hurt, if a guy's getting touched up on his feet, the referee will warn him. He will tell him to move. He'll say, I need to see something. Know that that's being heard. Know that that's going to the camera, to the announcers, coming out to the world. A round or two later, if this position, the referee might even stop it and call the doctor in, but he'll tell a story. This was boom, 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 boom. Now, I have a friend who was there in New York. So the feed is slightly faster than what we get to the world. I'm talking by seconds, but it, it was long enough that he could send me a text that says, Piera just TKO'd Izzy. And I have time to say, are you joking? And I have time to send this back. So we're talking about 7, 8, 10 seconds here of digital time. Boom, boom, boom. Pierre touches him up. Now, Pierre walked him down in the fifth round. And this is relevant. If you're beating a guy's ass, okay, and it doesn't matter if it's tit for tat, that would just be obvious for you to see. What well, wouldn't it be obvious for you to see, and I think I might surprise you with, is if you're kicking the guy's ass, 3-1 to one according to Daniel Cormier, 4 to nothing according to Chael Sonnen, and that guy's coming at you, it's a problem. To what degree and how you're going to handle it, right? There's nothing but problems in there. You've got you've to go out and solve them. I'm just sharing with you, when you're putting it on a guy and this guy's acting like he doesn't know he's losing, when this guy's acting like he doesn't know, I just beat you up, I've kicked you, I've punched you, I've taken you down, why are you coming at me? It's a problem. It's something you have to register. I believe that Adesanya was in the process of registering that. And I was so impressed with Pierre. And and this, I've got, I don't think Pierre won a single round tonight. And I'm telling you, I was impressed. I was impressed because he stayed in the fight. I was impressed because he walked him down. I was impressed because he showed his condition. You're going to tell me a guy who's never been in a main event. He's never been scheduled for 25 minutes. He's never gone 16 minutes. You're going to tell me his first time out he can do it? I, I would I'd have to see that to believe it. You're telling me that he could be losing and come back and win and the round that he wins happens to be the fifth round that he's never been in before? Unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. This is what legends get made of. I've always been light on the idea, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. I've always been light on the idea to the point that I've even been argumentative, that if, if Piero wins that Izzy gets an immediate rematch. I don't think so. If Pierre wins, I believe. Pierre will come out and voice the story that that's 3-0, bring me some fresh blood. That's what I believed. After seeing Izzy win 20 minutes of a 23 minute content, I'm not so sure. I definitely want to see a rematch. I at least want to see it. Will we do it right away? I mean, right, this is always tomorrow's problem. But it was a very different fight than we expected. They went to the ground, which we didn't expect. They both had a turn on top, which we didn't expect. They did some grappling, which we didn't expect. Pierre can hold up in the last round. The referee stopped to fight TKO staying on their feet. I don't know if there was a thing here that we expected and guys, it was a treat. It was an absolute treat to watch those two fight and at the end of it all and if you fast-forward this piece, you only got to know two words and new. Foster, head of the California State Athletic Commission. Andy Foster is classic for having Zoom meetings. Well he will invite all sorts of selected members from the community. Everybody will, will tune in and if you were on this you'll, you'll see judges up and down that you recognize. You'll see referees up and down that you recognize. And what Andy Foster will do is he will play around. round. He will play a round of a fight. And he will simply ask his guests who won and why. That's it. If I had the feed to the Zoom meeting where Andy Foster is going to play Chandler Poirier one, and then have Herb Dean tell us who won and why, have Big John McCarthy tell us who won and why, have Patricia Dorman, have Douglas Crosby, have Saul D'Amano, I could get up and go home. All I, I would just need to feed that to you guys. I don't know. But I'd like to hear. Chandler Poirier won. I just want to know about the first round. It was an incredible fight. That's no surprise. Michael Chandler delivers every single time. Michael Chandler is even with Justin Gaethje in terms of being your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. He absolutely delivers. Now, I've got to give Poirier that same credit, but it's not a surprise. He's not the new kid. This is a former world champion. Poirier fights nothing but but main events and feature matches. Who do you think won the first round? I mean, let me stop you there. Let's not even get into the whole con. Who do you think won the first round? It was a mess. My phone was lighting up with text messages and I wasn't responding to them. My circle will come to me. Chael's the expert. Chael, you tell us who won. We're having a party over here. You tell us what to think. Whatever you say, we're all going to believe. Right there. They would entrust me like that. You understand. I didn't write a single one of them back. I don't know who won. That was a dogfight like perhaps I haven't seen in recent memory. And Poirier Chandler is two different fights. If it was a five round main event, it is a very different fight than if it was three rounds and three was the right place to put it. It's just those guys are such stars you could see where they would have to go at the end of the night. Three rounds is where to put it cuz they're going to throw the same amount of punches. They have the same amount of submissions, the same amount of takedown attempts, the same amount of kicks. They're going to have all they're just going to condense it into 15 minutes. It's just what those two do. I cannot get over how good of defense, anti-wrestling, they call it, that Dustin Poirier has. I mean, I really can't get over that. Like, there was talk at one point to get Poirier and Covington together. I'm not attempting to relive that. I will just tell you, when I heard it, I quickly dismissed it. But I can see where Poirier can hold his own with anybody in absolutely any realm. He doesn't get fatigued. He doesn't get frustrated when he gets hurt. Those punches hurt him just as much as they would hurt any of you or anybody else on the roster. He responds differently. And that's a true thing. Scientifically speaking, as it comes to pain, human beings all feel, on average, the same amount of pain. But different human beings will react differently to that pain. I'm just sharing with you. To watch Poirier say so composed, Chandler was coming at him with absolute reckless abandon. What Chandler did... To Poirier, the punches that landed and the ones that didn't land were a 100% what Adesanya planned to do, who's a professional striker, and what Pierre did, who's a professional striker. That's what they wanted to do. That would have been their dream performance. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because they're not comfortable enough with the what if if the guy comes for a takedown. Chandler is completely comfortable. Do you guys remember Verdum when he would fight? Verdum, who won Abu Dhabi, was never known as a striker. But if you go back and you read his record on Sherdog, sure you're going to see how many people Verdum beat up on his feet. And the thing with Verdoom is he had the power, but he had reckless abandon. He was daring you the entire time. Fabricio Verdoom would dare his, take me down. I dare you to take me down. As a matter of fact, I'm going to jump in the air and I'm going to try to knee you in the face. All you got to do is lean into me and I'll fall down. Here, let me kick you in the head with my hands down. I'm 240 pounds and it's really going to hurt. Your only option to defend me is to take me down. Go ahead and do it. Do you guys remember when Verdun would do this though? And Verdun would get away with things because he was so comfortable. Chandler does the same stuff. Chandler is straight. Chandler's fast. chandlers he goes to the body. He'll come upstairs and pour it. All the the basics. Chin down, hands up. He's rolling with it as best as he can. He's rolling. He's trying to take pressure off the punches. As soon as you're done, he's coming back. A golden question in this sport is if you hurt a guy with strikes on your feet and he's up against the fence, what do you do? Now, people are absolutely adamant. I'll, I'll tell you the answer. The textbook answer is you keep striking him. And if you deal with any kind of a boxing coach, Clayton hires one-on-one. You put that guy in the fence, you have him hurt, don't hit him in the head. Clayton, you dig right to his body. But people will agree with Clayton. There is a line, though. And you guys know this. If you put an animal into a corner, if you wound an animal and you put him in a corner, he will come out fighting. It does not matter what kind of animal he is. It will not matter if he's an aggressive predator or not. If you wound him and you put him in a corner, he's coming at you. It's the only choice that he's got. And guys are very dangerous right then. I bring this to you because Chandler had poor hip against the fence. bam, 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 And he goes in for a double. I support the idea. Now, here's the math. I have him hurt. I can get the takedown. If I get the takedown while he's hurt... I reasonably can assume I'm going to win this round. If I stay on my feet and and I trade, I might be able to end the entire contest right now with a victory. But he's got an opportunity at his absolute most vulnerable. And if one of those get through, it's going to be the worst shot of the night. That's the math. Chandler went in for the take, and I bring that to you because I know a lot of people are going to critique that specific position. I supported it. Watching the way Dustin can protect himself. Watching the way that Dustin can come out, let's say round two in this case, but put round round one behind him. Watching the way Dustin can come back and put what happened before behind him as though it never existed. It really is a thing of beauty. I mean, it's truly amazing. And this fight was lost for Chandler. If you want to go back and watch it, but Chandler gets on top. He starts to throw a leg in and Dustin catches. He just puts his hand down and he blocks it. He throws it off, and that's what he used for a reversal. But that's what changed this entire fight. I just thought it was awesome. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It hurt me. I will admit for you, it it hurt me to see Chandler lose because I know how important a world championship is for him. And I know how much more difficult that path becomes. It's hard enough to start with, right? There's 7 billion men on earth, and they'd all like to be world champion. He's down to the final five. It's hard enough without having this kind of defeat. But the one thing that Dustin Poirier wants to do, guys, I don't know that he wants to be world champion. I believe Dustin, and he needs your approval. It's up to you guys. It's not up to, it's, it's, it, you guys will decide, but I want to put it out there. I want to put this out there for Dustin. What he would like to do is to go in that very select few, that very small group of fighter who isn't about contenderships, it isn't about championships. It's a guy you want to see. And whatever he does, you're in. Nick Diaz lived there. Nate Diaz currently lives there. Conor McGregor lives there. It's a small island. And Dustin would like to be on it. I think he deserves it. He's talked about going to 170 pounds. Guys, he's not talking about going to 170 because he's too lazy to cut to 155 or he's lost the discipline. He's sharing with you to create some parity for him. And he's now giving you another weight class to do it. He did it at 45. He's done it at 55. He's created another set of parity for then you to say, for you to get it to the pundits, for you to tell the media, for them to create headlines to eventually come to Dana's desk. He's given you two different weight classes. I think he's earned it, but I think that you guys want it. I think you do have some matches that you want to see him in that maybe they are a championship match. They're matches you want to see him in. And I, I don't know that you know that you have the power. This is what he's telling you. Listen, if that's what you want, listen. Two weight classes, 55 and 70. What do you want to see Dustin Poirier Before we fast forward from UFC 281 reaction to what we got going on with the middleweights, guys, I want to stop and pay tribute to an MMA legend who we lost far too soon over the weekend. Rumble Johnson. Guys, what surprising news, right? And Rumble had uh, sent out a tweet about 10 days ago, something on social media. And he just asked for prayers. It was very to the point. I know a lot of us had reached out to him and I at least could not get, uh, I didn't get any other details. So rest in peace, Rumble, right? There was a thing done Many years ago, do you guys remember Anna Nicole Smith? Does that name ring a bell? She was like a a Playboy something. Now, whether that was Centerfold or or, or the cover or uh, model of the year, but it was something through that, a similar vibe to Marilyn Monroe, which every generation, even if you're copying Marilyn Monroe, the closest thing that each generation has to a Marilyn Monroe, it works. And she had a level of fame because of this. Then, Anna Nicole married like a billionaire. And if it wasn't a billionaire, it was worth hundreds of, do you have to be a billionaire? Right. If you got $80 million, you got more money than you're going to spend. Can we just call you a billionaire? So she marries this guy and he was like 92 years old. She she was the, whatever she did. You guys remember Playboy? It It was a long time ago, but it was a thing when I was growing up. And so she marries this guy and he passes away. Of course he passed away. So she inherits everything, barely knew him. So the kids, his kids had a real problem with this, but they were married or they like living in Bahamas. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. Turns into a whole big national thing. Then Anna Nicole Smith passes away. And I only told you that previous story about her. let you know, she was, it, it was kind of a big name at the time. And so this was big news when she had then passed away. So Larry King, all right, Massive show. Right, Guy, he's terrible at his job, but he's got a massive show. People watch him, and he's doing a thing on Anna Nicole Smith, and so he brings on a split screen, two people that knew Anna Nicole to speak on this death and what happened and the tragedy and what led to this. Give us some kind of an insight. The first person on the screen, so it's a split screen, is a professional wrestler named China. So when Larry throws to China to, Hey, you know, tell us about Anna Nicole. You were friends with her. And what what, what can you tell us at a time in morning? China formed words, but she did not form a sentence. I mean, she was saying things like, Oh, and I was so sad. I was just, I was so surprised to hear the news. And so Larry's kind of trying to dig in, you know, well, tell, do you, do you have any cause? Do you have any signs? Do you know, what led to this? Do you know, who was with her you know, she was worried if she saw this coming, if she had an ailment. in China's talking about, I was, I was, you know, when I got this news and I just, I'm, I'm still, I'm trying to process it. It was weird. China never said anything. And it's not because uh, she was drunk or intoxicated. We find out when the second person on the screen goes, why China had nothing to say about Anna Nicole. And it was humiliating. The second person that comes on the screen before she gets to Anna Nicole turns to China on live worldwide TV and says, You didn't know Anna Nicole. I have been her friend since youth. As a matter of fact, China, I've actually asked her about you specifically, and she said she doesn't know you. So the fact that you would come on Larry King's show at a time of mourning to get attention pretending to know somebody, called her out on World Live TV, live. Okay, now it's China's turn to go, right? The only person that can settle this dispute is no longer here. So China, being a good carny, is going to be able to just lie. Oh, for heaven's sakes, I knew her very well. I've got my, where's my phone at? I've got texts from her and emails now. China fumbled the response worse than she fumbled when they first threw to her. She She didn't try to claim it at all. They said, the person actually said, I talked to her about you. She said she doesn't know you. And China's response was, Well, I I, 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 this is just such a hard to Never gets a full sentence out. It's humiliating. I, I, I really was. I mean, all of these years ago, and now it, it, it's RIP China as well, right? But it was, it was this humiliating moment. Why do I tell you that story? Because I don't want to make believe. For you, the way that China did, that I was inside track with Rumble. I was a fan. I knew him, and Rumble and I came up together, and we were both with a company called Tap Out. Rumble had called me out one time. He called me out, one- and I didn't even respond. I didn't even respond. He was too be- beneath me because he was 170 pounds. I was king at 185 pounds. He was 170 pounder. Why why, why is he calling out us big guys, right? Now I see Rumble before. I mean, he's just a monster. Do you guys remember this about him? He fought at 170 pounds. My favorite part about Rumble, he always had a hard time making weight. He missed weight many times. We had an extremely hard time making weight. So Dana finally says enough and moves him up to 185. Do you guys remember this? Rumble missed that weight class by seven pounds. Rumble just had a hard time, man. It was one of those things. And the guys that worked with him said that. They said, it doesn't matter what the number is. He will make it hard on himself. Like the the way he cuts weight and pulls and looks at the sport. So they, they move him from 170 to 185. He misses that weight by seven pounds. Guys, guess what? He never went back to 185 pounds. Oh, by the way, guess what? He didn't go to 205. For two years, he went to heavyweight. (laughs) Rumble went from 170, I guess 185, even though he never made it, skipped over light heavyweight. He went up to heavyweight, and he knocked out world champions. He knocked out a world champion in the first round. Rumble Johnson on the open circuit, what we call the regional circuit, is one of the most terrifying propositions in the history of the regional circuit he didn't belong he should not be there but what can Dana do you missed weight four times at 170 I want to make you a number one contender you missed weight I move you up to 85 put you against Vitor which is going to spring you right in and I was I was at 85 at the time yeah that would have done it we would have all had to go deal with Rome he misses that this is what am I supposed to do I got to turn you loose for a little bit he's on the open street. you guys want to see a great fight you want to see a great fight that I can almost guarantee you haven't seen. You want to see a nasty, nasty Jake Rochardt versus Rumble Johnson. Now, Jake Rochardt is a story of what could have been. He was a great athlete. Had amongst, amongst the greatest collegiate careers next to Cale Sanderson, truly. There's a group of probably 10 or 12 guys next to Cale. But he would be in this group, and he could have done it at MMA. It was matchup issues. There's a lot that goes into MMA. But if you ever want to see the heart and the toughness of Jake Rochelle, you go watch this fight because he doesn't win a damn minute of it. And he does not quit or back down a damn second of it. It was awesome. And Rumble had to stay on him going, oh, my gosh, this guy is so good. So he's on the regional scene. He comes back into the UFC. He gets on his run. He goes for world titles. Guys, I'll tell you this. And I'm a fan. I'm not China. I'm being a fan. I will tell you this. You've got to be able to get an eraser and remove two things, two opponents. you got to, you got to remove Daniel Cormier, and you got to remove Vitor Belfort. You, you get an, if you can just remove those, and you go stare at Rumble Johnson's resume, and you come to the conclusion that he just might be the greatest of all time, you would have a very easy argument to make that. I realize Rumble Johnson's not in the discussion for the grace. I, I I do realize that if you could remove those two opponents you had nothing more you're just looking at the resume and you came, my god. He stopped in the first round. He knocked out in the first minute. He put away inside of five minutes if you went through it. From once every skipped over 8 guys at 205 world champions at heavyweight. It was truly an unbelievable career. And my favorite Rumble story is he came out He came out to submission underground, and he did a couple of them, and we dealt him right from the bottom of the deck, right? I mean, first thing, he's got to go in there with Craig Jones. I don't know if he'd ever done an official grappling match, or right? he's a college wrestler and whatnot, got to go in there with Craig Jones. He comes back. He's got to go in there with Ryan Bader, when Ryan Bader is this sitting simultaneous two-time World champion. Oh, by the way, they have a history. Like, Bader came into this match. Bader came into Portland. I am not losing. It was one of these things. It's an awesome match. Lad. You guys have heard me tell stories about Lad. Lad was in a computer class in high school. Wesleyan High School, they offered an editing class. So, that's exciting. I would have. I didn't get to have anything like that. I would have loved to have have it. So, Lad's got a camera. He's got some editing equipment. UFC and Dana find out about this. They hire Lad. They hire Lad, give him $500 to come into Submission Underground and be the behind the scenes reporter. He was the only one. Then he's going to go back and he's going to edit. And he's going to put this whole thing together. And Lad did a great job. He was going around and he was asking guys, he had access to some major guys. We got Donald Cerrone there. We got RDA. Right, He's face to face with Bader. He goes up to Rumble Johnson. He says to Rumble Johnson, and here's what I loved about it, right? It wasn't, what do you think about this fight? How's training going? Guess what Lad asks him? Lad says, hey, Rumble. What's your favorite burger? So Rumble thought that Ladd said murder. And Rumble began to answer the question. Okay. Now Ladd doesn't realize that Rumble is answering a murder question. Ladd thinks he's saying burger and Ladd fires back at him. Do you like pickles and mustard? Now it's at that point, that Rumble realizes I was asked about a burger, not about a murder. And Rumble tells him, hey man, you got to edit that out. And Ladd says, oh yeah, I definitely will, no problem. Now when I get the final copy, I have that whole story. <laughs> I have Rumble saying you got to edit it out. And Ladd saying, oh yeah, no problem, I will. I rewind it, wait a minute. He thought he got asked, "What was your favorite murder?" And he started to answer. It. Like, what was he going to say? Was he going to get into Manson or the Night Stalker? Now, I, I'm just—this is funny, right? I mean, this is a very funny story. He only got like a sentence. Lad fires at him, pickles and mustard. He realizes what happened. Tells Lad at Lad says, "I will," and turns the whole thing into me. I got to tell you, that's my favorite Rumble story. So where was he going to go with that? What was where was he going? to go with that. Rumble, thank you for the memories. R.I.P. Let's rethink Adesanya versus Pierre. Guys, there was so much to digest. I mean, there really was. This fight was perfect. Was it perfect, guys? The fact that they went to the ground in hindsight was tremendous. I mean, is this fights going to age, right? What's a great fight? What's a big fight? It's not, it's not just the box office that night. It's not just your anticipation or how much you talk about it after the fact. You want to fast forward about three years. Very rare, very rare that three years from now, you would be part of a contest that our culture and community would still, still discuss or still reference. Very rare. I think the fact that these two went to the ground adds to the chance that it will be. And that groundwork was a street fight. And I'm I'm only disclosing that because I'm going to talk about they go to the ground. I'm going to talk about the takedowns. I'm going to talk about what they were doing and the wrist rides and the ground and pound. And then I'm going to have some jerk that wants to come in. Like, you remember the jerks when when Stephen A. was doing the workout or Mark Zuckerford and they want to tell you it was sloppy and that they're better? And that Gordon Ryan would have submitted. I mean, right? You you hear these kinds of weird things. I, it was a street fight. I admit that those takedowns were a street fight. It, that was a not a matter of technique. That was a matter of who wants it. Izzy wanted that takedown more. Pierre wanted to get up more than Izzy wanted to exert the energy to keep him down. I mean, it was a battle. It was awesome. It was awesome, but it was also important. I really think it was. I think mean, it was important that we saw. Pierre get on top, particularly based on an offense that was purposeful by him, that was premeditated, that was set up, that was executed. I think it was important that Sonya got on top. And I admit it was a scramble situation. It was the turning of the hips. Guys, I thought it was great. I mean, I really did. I don't mean that sequence or go break it down and go watch what they were doing. That fight, man, that was a tussle. The first round, you're going to find out who's a better athlete parts of the second round, we're still going to have speed. We're still going to have power. We're still going to have setups. Parts of the second round, not the whole thing. Before that second round is over, make no mistake, you are now in a tough guy contest. Who wants this more? When I coach wrestling, I tell the kids, is the same thing that was told to me. When you're on bottom, I can show you sit out. I can show you Granby and inside stand up and outside stand up. I can show you these things, but these are nothing more than a general idea. You will get out from underneath the guy if you're determined and you want to get out from underneath him more than he wants to keep you down. And it's just the truth. And and as I look at that fight, I mean, come on, guys. For Piera to get in the cage and be as composed as he was was. Surprising. I realize he's been there twice. No, he hasn't. Not under the unified rules. Not in a 25 round situation. And every time somebody goes out, I mean, it's it's every time, right? We do not miss when somebody goes out and they get tired. Their cardio couldn't hold up for that night. 100% of the time, we have to hear about their weight cut. They won't even be the ones that say it. The commentary team will put it together for him. And I only tell you that's frustrating because it's a 24 hour weigh and there's no such thing as the weight cut. I mean, just in all fairness, if you have to compete one hour after you weigh in, we're having a very viable conversation. If you have a night's sleep, this is, this is old news. And I mean, distant. This is very old news, but I don't know that anybody had to pull more weight than Piera. And I think that in and of itself is a part of the story that I don't want people to miss. You know, when Daniel Cormier won the world championship at 205 pounds, but he elected to go down there, his Olympic weight was 211. He had not been under 211 since the year 2008. He pulls the weight off. He wins the world championship. The why was beautiful. He was teammates with, he was a coach of Kane Velasquez. He didn't want to get in Kane's way. That's your belt. That's your division. I'll go down here. Kane left. Daniel went up, won that belt, too. I mean, I'm just sharing for you. That's a very beautiful thing. And make no mistake, yes, Pierre wanted out of Sonia, but that's fascinating. He'd already beaten him twice. He follows him to a different sport, he hunts him down. That is an incredible mindset, not to mention it's a surprising one. Now, had it been the other way around and Adesanya was coming after him, we we would all understand that. Where do you get the motivation? You've already beaten a guy. Oh, by the way, you've already beaten him twice. Where do you get the motivation? What was that that drives him? That had to be something personal. That couldn't just be competitive. What did Adesanya do? What did Adesanya say? What did other people around him do and or say? What got Pierre driven? It was just an incredible thing. But then when we get revealed the size of Pierre, it gets revealed to us with a side-by-side photo next to Dominic Reyes, who is not a small, light heavyweight, and Pierre is towering over him. And that's where you start to understand, okay, this is about Adesanya, but this is also very in line the way Daniel and Kane react. It's very in line that Piera is not going to come into the division with Glover. It's it's a tremendous sign of honor. It's a tremendous sign of respect. It's a tremendous sign of friendship. But I think it's a really relevant part of the story that never got told. It never gets told. So Pierre steps in there, guys. Right now, Adesanya is going to walk out. He's going to do something. The crowd is going crazy. But they're not even sure what an Alex Pierre is. They've heard some things, and this guy's pretty good. And apparently, he beat him before. They don't really know. He's got to stand there. In Madison Square Garden, which is sold out roughly 17,000 people. And he's got to wait for the music, for the walkout, for the entrance, for the introductions. And when they put the camera on him, he was stone cold. He was, I remember he was standing. I remember it. And he had a posture about him the way his shoulders were, the way his head was, the way his eyes were. When you're a great competitor, you will learn to compete the same no matter what the condition. But more often than not, and this is for the Olympic gold medals, the NCAA champions, the the folks that won the Super Bowl, the folks that have the UFC straps. More often than not, that's a goal that you never quite reach. You understand it. You know it's part of it. You preach it to other kids. But it's usually a goal that you never reach. The way that he would fight Adesanya in whatever kickboxing show that was in front of however few people watched for whatever a number of hundreds of dollars he received. There's another piece to the story. Hundreds of dollars. Versus sold out Madison Square Garden, two to one underdog, 25 minute situation, which he had never been in. More weight was pulled and cut the day before and put behind you than anyone else you saw that night. Not a word was said. And he competed in that situation the same as he did down at the dog park. A famous sports psychology study. And got a room full of athletes. Guy walks into the room, sports psychologist. And he just lays down a long two by four. Ten foot two by four. He lays it right down on the ground. He says, "Hey, show of hands. Who can get up here and walk this heel to toe? Who can heel to toe right across?" And well, all of them go. And he says, "Yeah, all of you, come, come through." And he has them all go through just to prove that they could do what they already believe that they could do. He then brings in two ladders. He puts the board across the top of the ladders, and he asks who can climb up that ladder and walk across it and heel to toe. Not a single hand went up. And the point of the study is, hey, whoa, whoa, just a second. What I'm asking you to do is the exact same thing that you just did. The atmosphere has changed, but the task is the exact same thing. I know that you guys understood that, but I will tell you again: to say those things and to preach those things to even hope to get to there—it's very rare that somebody could do it. I watched Pierre do it. All right, the fight starts now. Sonia, if you saw the first two fights, and I don't know uh, more than three or four of you did, and I say that condescendingly because that was a built-in piece of the story that was taken for granted. It was taken for granted that the world had understood this. Okay, great, but if you did watch him, you will come to the conclusion that skill for skill, Izzy's better. Who landed more, who avoided more, who engaged more, who controlled the setups, who touched the opponent more times than they got touched. You'll come to the conclusion, Adesanya. It's the same thing that we saw in this fight. And now we're in round five, okay? A guy that cut a whole bunch of weight the day before, we've been told can't fight in the fifth round. It won't ma- It's always the last round too, right? By the way, if a guy cut a whole bunch of weight, he can't cut in the fifth round. Now, Of course, he, he can fight in the third, But if it was a different guy that cut a whole bunch of weight that was only scheduled for three rounds, once he gets to the third, we'll start to hear a built-in narrative about, well, you know, he's fading because he cut so much weight. It's just, it's one of these really annoying things. But I I will share with you to see Pierre out there in an atmosphere that he'd never been. He was never even scheduled for championship rounds. He has never been put in a main offense before. Relevant. He's never had a contract that called for more than three rounds. He's now in a five round fight. Oh, by the way, it's the fifth round. Oh, should I add, he hadn't won a single one of them. Now, before you crack me and tell me it was three to one, I'm, I, you, you get my point. He's getting dominated. He's getting beat. This is over. Mathematically, this is over. We just got to outrun the clock. And I've seen lucky punches. I've seen ones where a, a guy gets through and then tells you how him and his coaches set that up, tells you how it was worked. I, I don't know why. If I land a lucky shot, I will have no problem telling. I, I don't really understand why we have to rework history or the athlete just has to really tell you, right? The George Foreman, I was setting him up all night to knock him out. Man, you threw a punch and you got through. Shut up. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what dreams are made of. But that's not what this was. He walked him down. Alex Pierre was told in between rounds by his corner man, Glover Teixeira, you must knock him out if you want to win. Very simply. Pierre walked him down. That changes everything to any fifth round setup or knockout you've seen. Everything. It it makes everything different about that than the head kick heard around the world by Leon. Pierre walked him down. He went and looked for him. He still had the energy left. He still had the eye of the tiger. He still had competitiveness. He still had power. He still had one more left in him. It was amazing. That's just not the way it works. Not your first time. Not your first time in championship matches. You've never breathed so hard. Your heart's never been pounding out of your chest so hard your whole life. Can't focus on anything. It wouldn't matter what Glover said to him. He's not able to hear him. He he couldn't process it. He would be sitting there and nodding and just looking for air. But that's not what happened. Matter of fact, the cameras were in the corner. We saw what happened. I quoted Glover because I heard Glover say it, but I also saw Pierre looking at him. Before Glover said, you must knock him out, Pierre asked him the question, do I need to knock him out? That, That is not an awareness that you can have in that moment. Not that deep into a fight. Not one that's going the wrong way. Not your goal in your life. It just doesn't work that way. Going into the fifth round, regardless of how it comes, you begin to count your excuses. I'm down by four. I cut too much weight. It was my first time. I beat him twice. If he grabs one, I still get another one just to even scribe. But this is how your mind starts to work. You don't want it to. I'm just sharing for you that it does. He was very composed. Then he walked him down. Now, There's a couple of ways to go out, right? We're doting on Pierre, but come on, this was an amazing moment. There's a couple of ways to go out. And the way that Izzy chose to do it was to question nothing, to offer no excuse. As a matter of fact, they handed him one. They handed him one of early stoppage. I did fear in my heart, and I did believe in my mind as soon as that fight was done. We're going to have to hear about that. It was an early stoppage. And they asked Izzy, Izzy said, man, I've seen way worse stoppages than that. (laughs) He said, I didn't think, I didn't think it was a bad stoppage. That's the way he handled that. That's the way a man would handle that. That's the way he handled it. That's a recap of the fight. champion, number one contender, Hazmat Chamayev. What do you think, guys? I got to tell you, it doesn't sit well with me. Doesn't sit well with me. I'm into the fight. I'm into whatever Chamayev's doing. Pierre has made a new fan out of me. It doesn't sit well with me. How would you like to hear that you could become a number one contender at 185 pounds? We're going to find somebody to become a number one contender at 85 pounds that did not go through Adesanya. I don't like it. Do you? You got to go through them if he is willing and able, he's ready to turn around, he's get ready to get back in there. You have an offered to him where he turned it down. Okay. Adesanya's is a player and he's on the board. You got to go through him. And maybe you didn't do it successfully. Don't misinterpret me. I don't care if it's Robert Whitaker. He went in there. He stepped in there twice. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Paulo Costa. I mean, I I, I get that there's some boys. But if you're going to tell me that we can have a number one contender that never dealt with Adesanya, I'm going to have a problem with that. It's going to be slight, but I will share with you that I uh, that would be I, I would tip my head. I would I would wonder how. I would wonder why If there was a negotiation. If there was something turned behind the scenes, good enough for me. I believe in forfeits. You don't want to forfeit. We don't got to fight. Let's move on. We use diplomacy. If that doesn't happen. And somebody goes around Audisanya that did not get in there with Audisanya. I'm going to have a problem with that. I'm not going to understand it. Dana White's exact words were quite simply: "I wouldn't rule out an immediate rematch." We can live with that, right, guys? Because Dana can't go make that on the spot. You got to talk to guys, and you got commissions. I mean, it's it's this whole thing. He's not going to go out there and commit himself and then look like a fool. He goes and says an immediate rematch, and then one of the guys doesn't want to do it. Now he's got to come. I mean, it's just one of those things. I thought that it was handled perfectly. And I think that that's all that we need to hear because I wouldn't rule it out either. I I wouldn't rule that out. I I strongly felt that Glover should have got the rematch with Yuri Prohaska. I get that you guys don't want to see the fight. What I'm saying is I do think that Glover should have gotten the rematch because of the math. Glover was 30 seconds away from retaining the championship and he would never in his career see Prohaska again. He did not need any more points. He didn't need any more sequences. He just had to run out the clock. So I believe that makes for a wonderful night. Great moment for Prohaska. But it also tells us who the number one contender is. The number one contender, we don't have to wonder. We already saw it. It's the guy that was 30 seconds away from beating the current champion. All right. But I do feel that with Izzy Adesanya. There was a line that came out today at DraftKings, if you guys haven't seen it. Superposing that they're going to do the rematch. Adasanya was a favorite, sizable. Two to one right now. Broad stroke. Slightly under, but I, I just shared with you when this fight actually got announced, he was a two and a half to one. When the fight went off 48 hours ago, Audasanya was a two to one. He's back to a two to one. People saw it, they think that he's the better fighter. I, I, I'm just sharing with you if you're going to tell me that we're going to bring somebody in, if that somebody dealt with Adesanya, if that somebody stepped to the plate, to the big scary guy at some point, I'm okay with that. I don't have to beat him. But to go around him and come into a matchup that you find favorable, listen, everything I just said, I would say regardless of situation, save one exception. If somebody had been going after Pierre before the fight, I give him a pass. If somebody was trying to get in Pierre's wheelhouse, which is always a hedge that you must make as a fighter, you must take that risk no matter what the underdog is. When a guy is an underdog, nobody's looking at him. He is fair game. You should be the one attacking him. It should be his personal, you should be in his face. If he loses, go deal with it. Good, You're in there with a the former number one contender. If he wins, you're now the guy. And how the world missed that, particularly when the guy is undefeated and has beaten the champion twice, it, it was a miss. And I have seen people find their balls and come out after the fact because they think that it's a good matchup. But you're going to look like a guy that did just that. Saw the matchup, want to be a bully. You think you can go deal with it, and now you found your balls. If you didn't deal with sign in the past, I'm not supporting it. And secondly, where were you on Friday? Why would have you not hedged? Of course, Pierre is going to win. He's already beaten him twice, and when he gets done, he's going to deal with me. Great. We've got a story to tell. Pierre probably would have gone to the press conference, backed it up. The, the fans would have got behind it. When it comes out after a fact and a guy gets taken down, he gets ro- wrist rolling. Eh, I don't know, this guy looks a little sloppy on the ground and I'm pretty good on the ground. I mean, I'm just sharing with you. I don't know that there's a bravado and a courage in that. Let's say you go ahead and do the match. You get down there and you take Pierre down and you win the championship. I mean, what are you going to, you're going to stand up and, and cheer and put the belt around your waist and then go to the press conference and answer the big question, how come you didn't deal with Adesanya? How about we just take that care uh, first? That's all. I, that's all that I would offer. Why would we not just take care of that first? We're seeing something very similar going on at 170 pounds right now. Leon came out over the weekend and said, I could see a situation where I would give Masvidal the opportunity before Kamar Usman. Now, I bring this to you. Leon did nothing wrong, right? He's getting a million questions. He's getting about the three-piece in the soda. He, He did nothing wrong by answering this. But I found it interesting because when they did a cameo of Kamar Usman, Kamar Usman's in a suit and coming out of the suit, his hand's in a cast. What the hell was that about? I haven't heard anybody comment on that. Volkanovski was rumored to get a hand surgery. It's none of your guys is even business, and you knew about it. You were going to take his belt away and give a featherweight championship to two other guys. You didn't. He didn't even confirm it. Kamaru Usman, who's scheduled to be a number one contender against Leon in England, big massive news, pops on, he's got a cast on his hand and nobody even mentioned it, why not? And when I say K, it could have been a brace, it could have been a sling, but he had something in his hand. You guys might remember, but Kamara had surgery on that hand. He had that prior uh, to the Leon fight, so he dealt with it, there was a story there, he pops on camera, he's rewrapped up. Is that the reason that Leon's thinking, maybe I need a different opponent? I don't have the answers to the question. I'm sharing with you guys that they're very interesting, and and you guys that ask the questions ask the wrong questions. That's what should have been asked. Is that why Leon's talking about somebody else? Now, just to finish that story, what Leon said is I, I would do it with Masvidal if Masvidal, no later than January, takes on Gilbert Burns and beats him. He goes through Gilbert Burns just to show the world that he can do it, to make this fight worth my time. I'm adding a couple of words to Rocky there. He said, I would do it and I could see it in, in front of Usman, which I think ties into the fact that Usman's got something going on with his hand. And I can't prove that beyond a cameo, but somebody should have asked the question. I shouldn't be the one bringing it up right now. There's something very important about dealing with the guy, and I, mean, I got I to tell you that. Masvidal's got business with Leon. Leon's got business with Masvidal. So we got no problem here. You're a really good grappler, right? I'll use Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel did not do this, but I'll share with you, if Bo Nickel goes on social media, starts calling out Pierre right now, all good, as long as you did it Friday night. You're calling a guy out who got taken down and held there by a kickboxer because you see that as a weakness, right? I saw a bunch of heavyweights do this too. Francis and Surreal are these two unbeatable guys that everybody's scared to death of. They go to the ground, they're rolling around, it looks like they've got a deficit there, and all of a sudden these guys find their balls. It doesn't work that way, and you're not going to get over on us. There's a strategy and a game to this, and coming out after the fight, I get that that's part of it. I do understand it's part of it. The real move was to have been there Friday. Why would have you not taken Piera? Did you think you were gonna get Adesanya next anyway? Is that what you thought? Why would you not have put everything on Piera? He's beaten him twice, take the risk, be the only one. It was an obvious move, none of you did it. Don't come in now and act like your Popeye that just ate its spinach. To close out today's program, we received news of two title fights this weekend, guys. First, we're going to get an interim featherweight title bout between Emmett and Rodriguez. We also got official confirmation that Islam versus Volkanovski is a go. February and Perth. Let's dive into how we got here. Mr. Nurmagomedov. did they call him coach? I never got to meet him. I felt like I knew him. We ran in the same circles. I never met Khabib's dad. And here's what happened, guys. But see, this stuff means a lot to me. Khabib, who's looking out for Islam. Okay. Khabib wanted Islam to get a title fight. Islam wanted to be champion. He was in no rush to get a title fight. They were gonna give him Benny final fight, Benny. Michael Chandler tried to get involved there. Fine, I'll, I'll take Chandler. Other people wanted Islam and Connor. Okay, final take on Connor. Daniel Cormier suggested he wrestle Jordan Burroughs. He said, final wrestle Jordan Burrows. I mean, I'm just sharing with you how this went. Now, Khabib knew the power of the championship. We must have that. Islam just wanted to beat people up and this. All ties back to Khabib's dad. I've really got to give him credit. He didn't raise guys to be strategic. He didn't raise guys to get around. He raised his fighters to be the best. If you're the best, the rest takes care of itself. We understand that, but that isn't a concept that gets lost. As soon as you start getting managers involved that want to tell you what makes sense, Right? A manager is going to tell you what makes sense. If he understood the business, he'd work on the second floor at the UFC. He's going to tell you what makes sense. He's going to find workarounds. But as soon as we start doing that, we do take our eye off the concept. The little boys and girls that walked in a gym on the very first day, which was to be the best. So Khabib works hard. Islam wins his fight, Khabib gets him, championship match. Moments after, Khabib, Islam, and Ali in conjunction go find him the hardest possible opponent on earth. Do you disagree? Do you know a man harder to beat up in a fist fight than Alex Volkanovsky? By all means, show me that man. Because 15 have been given an opportunity and 15 made a slip. Okay. Not I want to negotiate with you, Dana. Not I want to come talk to you. Not the contract we agreed on isn't good enough because look at me now. He found the hardest fight on earth. Moments after he won the championship. So Khabib happens to be watching UFC over the weekend and Khabib sends out a tweet. And Khabib's tweet, he wants to get Dustin Poirier and Benny Derushin there together. That's Khabib's big idea. Fine. Why am I tying that into Mr. Merleau-Merov? How do I tie that into Ali? What the hell does that have to do with Islam? Because Khabib wants to do it in Perth. So you know what Khabib is saying? He's saying, find the two best guys, which I believe is either Dustin or Binion, quite frankly, I don't know who it is, and bring them to Perth in case anything happens to my guy. We'll just take on one of them instead. Had nothing to do with draw power, had nothing to do with pay-per-views, had nothing to do with financial incentive. It had to do with, in Khabib's mind, this was simple. He didn't think this out. He saw a fight and he sent out the first thing on his mind. And the way his mind worked is we want to beat the best. We want to compete with the best. You guys count the cups. You get your little CFOs in there to cut the checks. That's not what we're here for. We're here to beat the best with a belief and an understanding that everything else will then take care of itself. And guys, we just don't see a lot of that. We just don't see a lot of that. I will come over here, and the, and the one thing I know about you, the audience, is the last person I would ever ask what you want is to you. I don't trust you to know. I am well aware that you, the audience, does not know what you want. You don't know why you like this, and you don't know why you tune in. I, I do get that, but I do have to still hear from people, because I'll come over, today I had to get a fight. I'll tell you how to pick a fight absolutely perfect and beautiful. But then I'll tell you how to promote a fight once the bout agreement is signed. A lot of people don't know there's two steps. I mean, in all fairness, a lot of people don't know. There's a way to pick a fight. There's a way to promote a fight. But I will come over here and I will teach you on a daily basis. And I will always have somebody that pushes back and tells me, no, we don't need that. We just want to see the fight. Now, I, of course, don't ask them the obvious question Of how many Elite XCs and how many Strike Forces and how many WECs did you watch? I don't ask them that because I know they didn't watch them. I know they only watched the UFC and I realize they didn't watch the prelim card and they didn't go to Facebook and they weren't over on FS1 before they switched to FS2. Because I'm well aware that they don't know what in the hell they want. They don't know why they like this. But it still does exist. People that claim they could watch it on mute. Claim that the words don't matter. It's called martial arts. Do you know what an art is? An art is a form of expression. There is no better way to express yourself than to speak. It is literally what separates the human beings from other species. But I have to hear that you don't need to talk. Okay. Do you see why Khabib... First off, having his hands absolutely full. He is the number one ranked pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, who's never lost, who doesn't have the potential to be a champion, who not once upon a time was a champion, the goddamn champion right now. Volkanovski's the world's champion right now. That's who he has for his young disciple. But he wants to make sure that if anything should happen to Volkanovski, that his disciple have the absolute hardest possible thing. And so he would like Poirier and he would like Benny Book. Now that would make Khabib happy. This wasn't a behind the scenes so I can get my guy paid. Your guy's already in the main event, he's getting paid. It would make Khabib happy. If Islam have to prepare for the number one guy in the world and know if anything should happen to him, he got the next best thing. The mindset that doesn't exist, guys. It doesn't exist. It was instilled in Khabib. Now, Khabib thinks this is normal. He's watching this piece. What's Chael talking about? Of course we want to fight the best guys. It, it, that was instilled in him. That was instilled in him by a great man and a great coach. Bruce Lee's gone, but we still talk about him. We still credit him. His skills were garbage, he couldn't fight a lick, but he had philosophies, and they were right, and they held up and they stuck around, and we show him that respect, don't we? But there's not just room in martial arts for the Lees and for the Gracies. There's other philosophies out there, and you put them to test, and they hold up or they don't. Coach Nurmagomedov's philosophies, for me as a viewer, are amongst the best I've ever witnessed. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And I wanna remind you that if you need more Chael during your week, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel and give me a follow on Instagram because I got even more MMA analysis over there. I'm gonna be back with another podcast on Friday and tell that I'm Chael Sonnen and you are welcome.